The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you or someone you know has a child with autism in their family, answers and support can be hard to come by. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio with host Dr. Bill Freya. We will offer practical information for parents of children of all ages, as well as explore treatment topics and recent research related to autism. Now, here is Dr. Bill Freya. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host for the hour, Rob Haupt. And I'm the Vice President of Business Development for Autism Spectrum Therapies, as well as a board-certified behavior analyst. Uh, some of you may know me from the, the internet, YouTube, or the video blogs I post each week. I am that uh, larger, bearded gentleman who you see talking about insurance, uh, about your schools, and uh, also about teens and adult issues. Um, before we get into our topic this week, I just wanted to make a quick announcement and let you guys know that we're doing something new and something pretty exciting. Um, every week when we've been having this show, it's been uh, an interview with an expert, um, someone who's really doing something interesting in the field that we uh, hope is really informative for you. Um, but for the very first time, we're going to do a call-in show. Uh, starting on uh, Tuesday, uh, August 28th, we're going to be having our very first call-in show where you can call in and ask your questions. Um, our topic for the week is going to actually be teens. Uh, we want to hear about... Uh, your questions, your concerns, your comments about services for individuals who are teenagers with autism and the different needs and the different challenges that you face. Um, so if you want to give us a call on the 28th, you can uh, call us at 866-472-5791. We're really excited for uh, this new departure and this new uh, addition to our radio show. Um, but with that teen theme, uh, this week we're actually going to be talking about teens and adults. Um, we host this show every week because our big goal is to provide resources and information to the community. And this week's show, I think, is going to be a great example of that. And we're really going to be talking about some cutting-edge uh, resources and information that is, uh, I think, going to be new to a lot of the communities that we get to reach out to. Um, I'm particularly excited about uh, our guests and our topic because uh, this is actually where I started my career. Uh, before I even came to California working with AST, I was actually working with teenagers and young adults in the group home setting, uh, preparing them for life on their own, working on independent living skills, job training, and I got to participate in a program that I get to still feel proud about all the work we contributed and, and all of the services we provided. And when I moved to California, and as I've traveled across the country uh, working with different families and different communities, I have realized that that program was really unique. It was really, really special. Um, I thought it was something that every state and, and every town had to offer. And it was actually really unique to uh, you know, Massachusetts, where I was living and working. And a lot of other communities don't have those same type of resources. They don't have programs um, such as mine where 
they were able to prepare their um, their children for these big futures and these big goals that they have for them. So this week we are going to be talking to um, two people who uh, I'm really fortunate to call my friends and my colleagues who got to take this amazing trip and this, had this amazing adventure to Israel to learn all about uh, what Israel is bringing to the table and what interesting, unique, and cutting-edge services that they have for teens and adults um, in their country. And they had an opportunity to really uh, see a whole lot and tour the country and a variety of different programs. So my guests this week are uh, Judy Mark and Ronit Moko. Uh, Judy has been an active member in the nonprofit community for the past 30 years. And her expertise in communications, development, and management has enabled her to provide significant aid to organizations in need. Throughout the past few years, Judy has worked with the Leaps and Bounds Foundation in addition to serving as vice chair of Chris's Camp. Uh, these organizations both provide services to children with autism and their families. And she currently serves as the government relations chair for the Autism Society of Los Angeles. Before coming into Los Angeles in 2000, Judy spent over 15 years working in the nonprofit community of Washington, D.C. in numerous capacities, including uh, as the Director of Communications for the National Immigration Forum. Judy currently resides in Los Angeles, California with her family, which includes her husband, Alan, 12-year-old daughter, and 15-year-old son who has autism. She continues to give back to the community daily and shares her past experiences and knowledge to improve the lives of individuals living with autism. My second guest, uh, Dr. Ronit Moko, is a board-certified behavior analyst and licensed clinical psychologist specializing in the treatment of children with autism. She has a master's degree in applied developmental psychology and a doctorate degree in human development and family life. Dr. Moko completed a postdoctoral fellowship at UCLA focusing on behavior assessment and intervention, treatment planning, individual and group therapy for individuals with autism and genetic disorders. In early 2000, she co-founded Autism Spectrum Therapies with Dr. William Freya, uh, who's also a BCBA and licensed psychologist. And fortunately, in 2004, they also hired me, and she had a big to-do in that. Um, but in 2011, she received the Smart Leader Award, recognizing her innovative contributions to the business community and autism services. Her current work within AST focuses on the development of innovative programs and new service offerings for children and adults with autism and other developmental needs, as well as infants at risk for developmental delay. Uh, Judy, Ronit, thank you so much for being with me today. Um, I'm really excited to hear about this fabulous trip that you guys took. Thank you for um, having us. Thanks, Rob. Uh, I guess the, the first question I have for you is, um, what was... Why Israel? What, what started that? Well, I guess that would be me. Um, I went to Israel four years ago for personal, to, to, to visit family. And while I was there, um, through some friends and some connections I had, I was able to visit two amazing programs. Um, one was a school and, and sort of advocacy organization, and the other was a kibbutz that adults with developmentally developmental disabilities lived on and worked and had, um, fan, you know, developed great relationships with other folks. And, um, and it was life-changing to me. And I came back and I started 
telling people that we've got to go to Israel and see what they have going on. Um, another reason why Israel is, I mean, there are, there are a number of countries, not just Israel, that has some really great programs. But Israel um, has sort of a long history of working with folks with special needs, whether it, not not just developmental disabilities, but since Israel as a country was founded out of the Holocaust and had to resettle so many people with so many significant emotional issues, um, there has always been um, a, a kind of extra special effort by sure that people with special needs are uh, both integrated into the community and provided the kind of supports that they need. Um, so it made that that this kind of trip, it made sense to go to a country like Israel. In addition, we were able to get some um, incredible sponsorship and generous donations from the Jewish community, in particular the Jewish Federation of, of Greater Los Angeles. And um, they sponsored the trip and provided the um, wonderful staffing for it and uh, really made the whole thing happen. So it, it was so that is why Israel, but, um, you know, I think that um, Bernit can also give you some of her feedback on, on why that was such an appropriate country for us to go to. Yeah, I think, uh, thanks, Judy. One of the things that was so impressive about Israel is how they integrate everybody into their communities, and that really stood out in all of the places that we visited. There's a huge emphasis on integration, on um, giving individuals with disabilities the opportunity to lead fulfilling lives, to make choices about where they live, where they work, who they spend their time with, and that just stood out throughout the country. So I think there's a uniqueness about the way they approach life and, and the value of life, and I think the, key, the kibbutz model and those things that they have are unique to Israel, but they provide that opportunity for a lot of community integration. So it certainly gave us a lot of ideas about things we could do back home. So, you know, was your guys primary purpose in this to take this inspiration and bring it back to Los Angeles? That is the primary purpose of why we went. Um, we have realized that, particularly in the, in the autism world, but with all disabilities, that we're expecting a, an enormous increase, a 600% increase in the number of adults with autism in the next 10 years. And um, we are not prepared uh, certainly not in Los Angeles are we prepared, but we're certainly not prepared in, in the United States to provide the kind of programming, employment training, housing, uh, inclusion programs that we really need for um, these individuals as they are getting older. And uh, there, there is a great demand out there. There is a lot of passionate people, parents and um, providers and experts in the, in the field who really want to build new programs or expand existing programs to meet these needs. And um, so we wanted to go to Israel and sort of find some of the great um, features that the programs in Israel have and to be able to come back to Los Angeles and use some of those features in creating these programs. That's fantastic. Well, and, you know, I, I hear Israel and I hear that the Jewish community was really involved. Um, but I know uh, from speaking to both of you that a lot of other people, it wasn't just the Jewish community who attended and participated. So who were some of the other folks who came on this trip with you? Yeah, it was definitely not just the Jewish community. We actually had a phenomenal com uh, combination. We had over 40 people 
participating wow. on this trip. Um, there, there were people from the Jewish community who work with special needs populations um, on the trip, as well as um, a lot of parents, both within the Jewish community and non-Jewish community, who want to help build these programs. We also had three individuals with disabilities themselves, three young adults, who came to be able to provide a uh, sort of a uh, personal perspective on whether they think these programs would work for their themselves and for others like them. And then we also wow. had experts in the field. We had service providers. We had people from government. We had people from regional centers who, who, who are providing um, the funding for these services to give us also a kind of a reality check on mm-hmm. whether we can, whether these programs are even feasible based on the tremendous budget constraints that we are uh, facing right now in, in California. You know, right away, hearing that you had individuals with autism on the trip, I mean, my first question is just what did they think of everything they saw? Were they were they excited about just the different programs and the different options? They were. They were very excited. I mean, they, they were three very different people um, who came on our trip. Uh, they're kind of all over the spectrum. Um, they, uh, you know, I think that... They were intrigued by the kinds of programs that we saw, which were more kibbutz-like models, which people live in a more separated uh, community. And then they, but I actually think um, they were equally, and some in, in some ways, more excited about the more inclusive programs, the ones where people lived within neighborhoods or in their own homes, and to be able to. Um, integrate themselves into the general community. Um, and, you know, I think that we were all, every time we were in a program, we became excited about that program, and then we went to the next program and said, oh, my God, this is amazing, too. So I think that we, we just returned, and I think that um, we're all going to kind of step back, and, and now that we've had some time to process it and sort of figure out which of these programs we like the best and which ones are replicable and, and what features of it can we use. Well, I'm going to ask you guys more about what you learned and what you think you can replicate uh, when we get back from this commercial break. So everyone stick around. We'll be right back with uh, Judy Mark and Dr. Renee Moko. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. At Autism Spectrum Therapies, we understand how confusing funding options have become, as well as the difficulties that often come with seeking insurance approval. Our knowledgeable insurance team can help you become informed about your options and assist you in securing the services your child needs and deserves. Our client advocates specialize in obtaining pre-authorization for insurance coverage of AST services. If you have questions about your insurance coverage, call our insurance team today at 866-278-1520. Everyone deserves a life filled with happiness, confidence, and achievements. Code Metro, developers of NPA Works Business Management Software, is proud to partner with Autism Spectrum Therapies and its efforts in creating futures for individuals with autism. To fulfill our duties, we promise a special needs product that helps organizations operate efficiently, providing them with a business system that evolves as rapidly as they do. The results? A streamlined practice to help maintain quality services. 
Discover how we help businesses succeed at NPAWorks.com. If you are considering how cloud computing might benefit your business, CenterBeam's Cloud Readiness Assessment can help. Our track record includes over a decade of service delivery experience, and our customer satisfaction leads the industry. We've moved hundreds of clients to the cloud and can help you identify the best strategy for your business. Call today to get a 25% discount on your assessment, 877-710-8880. The assessment is yours to keep and will provide specific insight into how the cloud can work for you. Call 877-710-8880 or visit centerbeam.com forward slash voice America. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt, and I'm joined by Judy Mark and Dr. Renit Moko. Uh, we're talking about this amazing trip that they just took to Israel and about all the wonderful things that they learned. And being able to, to speak to them both on a, on a pretty regular basis, um, I've already heard a little bit. And, uh, you know, the first question I have is uh, for Renit. Uh, Renit, you've, you've talked to me so much about uh, OT and this amazing OT program you learned about. And uh, I was hoping you could uh, expand upon that for our listeners and, and for me. Sure. Um, the OT program that I was referring to was the one at uh, Beit Izzy Shapiro, which was, is a program in Israel, which is near and dear to my heart because it was start, started by a South African family who moved from uh, Johannesburg to Israel and saw the huge need for programs in Israel. Um, and they really have three aspects of their mission. Um, they believe firstly in social change, which is built on the belief that families of children with special needs deserve the same rights as everybody else. And so their first goal is to identify unmet needs in the community and provide those services. The second core aspect is to change attitudes in the community through legislation, design, and reform, and they have gotten very involved in that. And their third core belief is uh, research and training. And so they kind of cover all aspects, which is what I loved about how comprehensive the program is, the OT aspect that we saw was how they're just applying OT in every aspect of life. So they have um, specific OT rooms based on the Switzerland philosophy of creating sensory environments that either create light or create dark, create certain um, lighting and sound to calm individuals down so that they can then work on OT, different OT functions, or just create a calm environment. And one of the the notes that the OT specialist who I spoke to told me about was that specifically individuals with Asperger's syndrome who she's worked with have told her that they get to feel for the first time when they're sitting in, in the dark room in the center because the sensory overload is shut down and they can actually feel what they're feeling as people. And I thought that was so incredible because we don't think about that, about what it's like to go through life every day with sensory overload. And so I think we noticed that, Judy, when, when our individuals went into the rooms um, and felt calmed down and just loved being in that sensory environment. So that was really great to see. And then they've taken that and expanded it. So they have a hydrotherapy program where they do water therapy and swimming pools, 
and they've adopted that where you can have the pool in a lit environment or you can have the pool in the dark with colored lighting. That's very soothing. And they've done the same thing in their dental center where they are providing dental services for kids with autism and other disabilities um, using the same calming techniques, using a weighted blanket and using another blanket that goes on the bottom of the dental chair where kids are kind of strapped in in a way that makes them feel secure, not, not held down, but makes them feel secure um, and contained. And they're able to do a lot of dental work without using general anesthesia, which we know often kids require general anesthesia because yeah. they cannot calm down in that situation. And so what was so nice to see was how they're taking uh, this philosophy and this methodology and applying it to all aspects of life and providing treatment really to the community. And what started to happen is elderly individuals who, who need OT therapy are coming in and using the same services. So it's become a community-integrated system where it's not just individuals with disabilities that are accessing the services. That, that's absolutely incredible. And, and now I totally understand the uh, great fit, uh, picture I saw on Facebook where I think one of the people on the trip had the weighted vest on and said, the comment said how much he enjoyed it and how much more relaxed he felt. Yeah, they gave him the weighted vest, to, well, the blanket to, to keep. And when I talked to him about it, he said to me that what he loved about it, it's pretty heavy. And he said he felt uh -huh. like he was being hugged by a person, but he could control wow. he could control the hug. So what he doesn't like about hugging people is that they move when he's not ready for them to move. But this he could control. So he could have that feeling of being hugged and being contained, but control the whole interaction, which was huge for him. That's fantastic. Um, the other thing that I thought made Izzy that I really thought was fantastic was they've developed, they've, they've created and developed a, a playground in uh, Tel Aviv, which is a specialized multi-sensory environment, and the equipment has been built so that it has a rehabilitative impact, um, and it enables children with all kinds of disabilities, whether developmental or physical disabilities, to come and play. So we have similar programs here. We have Aiden's Place and other parks in L.A., but they've taken it a step further, which is what I thought was so great. They've, they've developed a curriculum that they teach to all the neighboring schools in that neighborhood to educate children about the needs of children with disabilities. And they take typical children and kids with disabilities to the playground together. And so they're actually teaching a curriculum in the classrooms that is equipping these kids when they go to the playground to really play together. They're not playing side by side. They're actually playing together on the equipment. They have festivals at the park and programs at the park, and they truly are creating blended communities of kids who play together. And I thought that was so important because, as many parents have talked to me, the people they want to influence are their children's friends because those are the individuals that are going to grow up to create the legislation and to um, support individuals with disabilities when they grow into adulthood. And so they really are integrating a curriculum into their school system and into their neighborhoods where children are learning from a very young age to integrate people with disabilities into their communities every day, which if you think about it, as these communities grow, it just it becomes natural to them. Wow. I thought that was fantastic, and I thought that's something that we could probably integrate pretty easily here because we have some of those parks existing, and it's just a question of creating the, the education to go with it. Yeah, I mean, the, the awareness and the acceptance that we could create just in the entire community, that would be amazing. Amazing. Um, Judy, what about you? I mean, what, what really stood out from you, for you on the trip? Uh, any particular sites? Well, um, 
They, we saw we had a very specific focus on young adults, although we did see some programs for children. Most of the programs we saw were for young adults and adults uh, with with disabilities. And they kind of came in two categories. The first category was sort of these um, intentional communities that were set up. Um, and in Israel, they're called a kibbutz because a kibbutz has been a longstanding type of community in Israel where people have shared rights and responsibilities. They work um, in communal companies and, and microenterprises. Um, generally, almost always, some of the companies are based in agriculture. And... Um, we saw two programs like this um, in, in northern Israel. One was called Kibbutz Harduf, and the other one was called Kisharit. And they're a little bit different from one another. Kibbutz Harduf is a longstanding kibbutz that, that is filled with um, people without special needs, and they um, have a real social um, awareness mentality there, and they have decided to bring in special populations into their kibbutz to integrate them. So they have a, a group of uh, at-risk youth, they have people with mental illness, and they also have people with disabilities who live and work in their kibbutz and are integrated. Some um, some of the people with, with more serious needs uh, live in their own housing uh, with support, and others are more integrated into the general housing on the kibbutz. Um, at Kibbutz Arduf, they have um, a couple of businesses that they run. Um, they have a bakery, which is, has the most incredible bread I've ever had in my life that is sold throughout the country, um, as well as they do artwork and pottery and tapestries. Um, and, and it's a wonderful environment. The second place um, is called Kisharit, which at this point is just for adults with developmental disabilities who live and work together, although they are expanding over the next year or two to in, they're building 100 houses on the kibbutz for the family members of the people with disabilities as well as staff to live there as well. So it will be a much more integrated setting. They have 14 microenterprises, everything from boutique children's furniture to the largest goat farm making goat cheese in the country um, to raising championship schnauzer dogs for uh, uh, sale in, throughout Europe. And um, what, what is great about this kind of model is that because there are communities that are built in, what Rene was talking about at the beginning where Israel really integrates the concept of creating community as part of everything that they do is that this community is, is naturally made. Um, you have people to spend holidays with. You have people to spend weekends with. You, you have a built-in network of friends uh, for for your lifetime, and it, it's people who potentially live out Neighborhoods may become more isolated, may have a more difficult time making friends, particularly people with autism, and this allows that. The other kind of segment of programs that we saw were, were inclusion models, people who live in, in the community um, with support, and um, they, and so we saw, for example, one of the models that we saw that I really love, that I would love to replicate um, in Los Angeles is something that they call supportive communities. And this is where um, they identify people with special needs who live in neighborhoods, either with their families or on their own, and they provide them a social worker as well as neighborhood kind of uh, friends and and folks who will check in on them and invite them over for dinner and to social activities to make sure that they're more integrated into the community. 
and is they are heavily supported by the municipalities, by the cities in which they live. The, mm. the mayors and the and the elected officials are very very supportive of this, and it, it also really builds on volunteers in the community to help make sure that people are included. And I actually think if we did that as kind of a model project in some of the smaller cities in California to get some of the local officials to to support this as well as maybe some local businesses to support this. I actually think it will be great for the people with special needs as well as the community at large um, to integrate. Um, another model that we saw was called um, the Centers for Independent Living, which are throughout the country of Israel. We actually have that model here in the United States, although not as fully developed, um, where it's uh, they're they're basically nonprofit organizations run by adults with with disabilities, um, and they their motto is nothing about us without us. And they provide the sort of employment training, the social skills, the different kinds of supports that adults with developmental disabilities um, need to be able to uh, live in neighborhoods in in the community. And um, they are, um, and they're really great models. We and and they run in some cases small businesses and cafes to get people to give people jobs. So those are the two kind of models, and I think that they, you know, some of the elements of them will translate quite well to California. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's quite a few things just in what you saw that remind me of things we see every day. Uh, the the idea of that inclusive living where they have their community and the neighborhood support actually reminds me of a program my sister did when she was in college where she had, she was far away from home and she had a, a local family that was kind of like her, you know, godparents or, or host parents um, or almost like when you do study abroad. And a lot of people who have done that have like a host family that kind of keeps, keeps an eye on them and helps them out. And it's, it sounds like really extending a lot of ideas that we use with other parts of our community and just expanding it to this group as well. That's really cool. Yeah, it was great. And I actually want to expand it to families, not just adults with developmental disabilities. Wow. I know that when a parent has their child diagnosed with autism or another disability, it is very isolating. It's very devastating. And to be able to say, you know, to be able to get them to quickly identify within their neighborhood other families who have faced the same issues and to build sort of communities within their neighborhood of people who will help them as well as families who are not necessarily affected by disabilities but want to make sure that their children are exposed to, to all kinds of kids. Um, I, you know, it's, it's a real community service aspect, um, and I think it will take a lot of work to do, but I actually think that, especially during this time of intense budget cuts, I think that we are really ripe for getting the community more involved to provide these kind of support. Well, let's hold that thought and talk a little bit more about community when we get back from the break. Uh, you're listening to Autism Spectrum Radio. We'll be right back. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Shepard Mullen Richter in Hampton is a proud supporter of Autism Spectrum Therapies. Shepard Mullen is a full-service law firm with more than 570 attorneys in 14 offices located in the United States, Europe, and Asia. 
Companies turn to Shepard Mullen to handle corporate and technology matters, high-stakes litigation, and complex financial transactions. For more information, please visit shepherdmullen.com. BDO is dedicated to service, from serving our clients to serving the communities in which we live and work. Through BDO Counts, our national corporate volunteer program, employees across the country volunteer their time, talent, and resources for the good of local communities. And now, BDO is proud to support Autism Spectrum Therapies. We believe in doing our best to make the world a little better. That's why people who know community involvement know BDO. At Autism Training Solutions, we know what it's like to work with children with autism. And we know what professional development can do for a school, a child, and a family. That is why we want to give 50 schools in the U.S. access to ATS professional development for a whole year. All you need to do is tell us how ATS would make a difference for your team in a one-minute video or a 500-word essay. For a complete set of rules, visit AutismTrainingSolutions.com backslash contest. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt, and we're with Judy Mark and Dr. Ronit Moko. And uh, while we were on break, uh, Judy actually was sharing with Ronit and I uh, an essay she's been working on. And it happened to just be right with that theme where we left off, which is community. So Judy, why why don't you tell everyone about, uh, about, I guess, more so the content of uh, of this essay and and, uh, pick up on that thought. I'm calling it It Takes a Community, which is sort of a play on It Takes a Village concept, where, um, which is an African tradition that every child needs to be raised by the village, not just their parents. But, it, but the, re- the reason I call it It Takes a Community is because I saw that in sort of three different ways um, on our trip, and, and my essay is, is kind of lays that out. You know, the first thing is, is, is what we had been talking about, that in Israel there is always an attention to creating community for the families, for the individuals with disabilities. It, it's, not, it, it's not just about getting them the right job training or the right life skills, um, getting them those independent skills that are so, un, so not defined, um, but it is, about, it is also about creating a social network of people that will provide um, the uh, quality of life that people want to have. Everybody wants to have that, I and mean, everybody needs community, not just people with special needs. Um, it, it's why we join clubs. It's, it's why we join churches and synagogues, because we want to have a community of people who are, are like-minded to relate to, to have social occasions with. And with, with families affected by special needs or individuals with disabilities, it is so hard to create these communities, whether it is because you have social skills deficits or whether you're just feeling isolated and overwhelmed. And so we just saw inter- inherent in every single program that they didn't just 
they didn't ignore the community piece. That was always an integral part of it. Um, and my fear in the state of California, with all of the budget cuts that we've experienced over the last five years, that that piece has gone away almost completely, that everything, all the funding that we're seeing in the United States, and particularly in California, is about speech therapy, you know, let's get rid of the behaviors, let's get them job skills, let's get them life skills, and then we're done with them, and not sort of paying attention to what the quality of their life is going to be as they grow older. Um, so that's kind of part one. The, the other piece of It Takes a Community for me is that it really takes a community to build these programs. And as we traveled um, together on this bus sometimes for 14, 15 hours a day, we created our own community of active people who are passionate about um, helping people with special needs. And we, you know, it was, some days were rough and it was unbelievably hot in Israel. And I think that kind of bonded us, um, the, the relentless schedule and the relentless heat. And um, it really took a community, uh, it's going to take a community and even a larger community than the 40 people who went on this mission. Um, it's going to take more than that, a much larger community to help build these. And I know that people have their own lives and their own professions and their own families to take care of. But if we want to really meet the needs for the future, everybody is going to have to join our community to help build these. And sort of the third piece, I know I'm giving you a lot here, but the third piece of community was something that happened to us on the mission, which is that my son is 15 years old and has autism and had sort of a massive meltdown on the final day of the mission. He had actually done extraordinarily well. And, you know, what we realized during this, I mean, my son has had many meltdowns, as you know, and um, he, but what was different about this was the support that we received as parents and not just the support that Joshua received in trying to calm his body. And, um, and what I realized from that experience is that families need community as much as the individuals with special needs, and that we need people to rely on us, that we can rely on in our times of need, and that, that um, we cannot continue to feel isolated and that we're alone and that, that we, you know, it's so hard to face the future and that we need to build that in at all times to the kinds of programs that we're creating. I mean, I, I just... Know, Rob, Rob, something that stood out for me when that happened with Josh was, you know, we, we hear from parents all the time and there's been a couple of instances on our Facebook page of parents emailing us and saying their child had a meltdown in the store and people were judging them and people were mean to them and what was stood out so much with this incident with Josh was that other mothers who were around came to ask if they could help and the police came to ask if they could help and just people around, I don't know if you noticed it, Judy, but I noticed standing there was other families that weren't even with us came right. to ask if they could help, not to judge, but to say, can I help you? Is there something I can do? And so that sense of community was so palpable in Israel and it was yeah. it's something we want to create here. Something else I wanted to say about what Judy was saying about the support of community aspect was what stood out for me as well was some of the people we met with were not individuals born with disabilities. They were adults who'd sustained traumatic brain injury in their 40s or in their 50s, and their entire lives had been turned around because these were men, mostly men, the ones we met, who were breadwinners, who now were incapacitated and being taken care of by their wives. And the wives said to us, you know, my husband used to do everything, and now they're part of this program where there's an individual on call 24 hours a day, somebody who'll come help them out with physical labor or doing something in the apartment, 
and somebody to make sure that they're socially integrated. And I don't know that we think about that as much, but those individuals are part of our community, and sometimes this change of life happens in their 40s and 50s, and they're not born with it. You know, and creating that sense of community allows everybody to become part of that. I just, I just love this idea of everyone's in it together. We're all building a community so we can all work as a team to, to support one another. And, and that, Judy, I just love that concept. And, and Renee, what you were saying, where it wasn't just about supporting Josh in that moment. It was every bit as much about supporting you and supporting one another of, okay, we're in this. Let's, let's, let's help. And that's just, that's such a fantastic just thought of, of what we can create. Um, I mean, was, was that, was that type of interaction something that was surprising to you? Was that uh, a surprising aspect that you found about the communities in Israel? Or was there something more surprising than that? For me, it was very surprising, I have to tell you. The reason I wrote this essay about It Takes a Community is because that is not in any way what I expected to come out of this. I was expecting to come away with, okay, here's the model, and we really like these features, and here's the funding mechanisms, and here's how they create these microenterprises, and here are the job skills people got, and here. I never expected it to get to community, and it was just so palpable. Um, you, you couldn't get away from it, and I think it's because, you know, Israel is such a community-oriented country, mm-hmm. and, and it was founded in that way, and um, it's it, it it was really shocking to me. And then so I was also quite surprised at the community that was created by the folks that went on this trip. I mean, we were a pretty disparate group. Um, we, ha- we could have spent the time on our bus to catch up on work, to sleep, to make phone calls. And instead, it, I, I call it a moving think tank because we spent a lot of our time on the bus brainstorming, sharing ideas, reacting to what we've seen, um, trying to solve big problems. And it was just a great opportunity for us to bond and to build sort of a foundation for the future of what we can be doing. That's wonderful. You know, one thing I, I, I happened to be a little bit surprised by when I uh, got to read the itinerary that you provided me was that uh, you went to the military and there was even a community and this inclusive program at the military. Uh, I'm just really curious, like, what, what did you learn from that and what did you get to see there? Um, so, just as a background, Israel has a mandatory draft mm-hmm. um, because they are in such a dangerous place and, and are constantly at war. And, but when we say the draft, it's not the kind of draft that we think of here in the United States, it's a draft that people quite look forward to. Um, The experience of going into the Army is a universal experience. People get very excited about it. Um, They, they, you know, they create friendships and bonds during their three years. It's two for women and three for men um, during their years in the Army that last them a lifetime. I mean, my cousin is in his 50s and he still hangs out with his friends from the Army from when he was um, 19. And so it's, it's, um, it's a very universal experience and, and people with developmental disabilities have not historically been able to participate. Um, they, there are certain tests that a teenager takes a year before they go into the Army when they're 17, and, they, um, and if a person has an intellectual disability or, or a kind of disability that 
prevents them from being able to fully participate, they have not been able to join. A great organization called Akeem, which is a parent-led organization of parents of people with intellectual disabilities, have started a program in working with the Israel Defense Forces to integrate people into the Army. Um, We met one young man um, when we were there, a man named Reuven, who works in the supplies office operation where they help to um, count and manage and launder all of the uniforms for the thousands and thousands of soldiers. And we, um, it was very impressive to meet him, but actually what was more impressive to me was to meet the other people he works with mm-hmm. and their reaction to having Reuven work with them. And they were saying that it's, he's been a great addition to their unit, that in fact he works harder than many people in their unit. And for them it's been very, it's a great eye-opening experience to have him side by side. The question is, what do we do with that? We don't have a mandatory draft. We don't exactly have anything that is a universal experience in the same kind of way, um, except, I guess, for school and education, which I'm hoping is more integrated as time goes on. But what we do have is we have community service programs here called AmeriCorps, and I'm hoping that we can take Mm. some of what we learned there and try to influence AmeriCorps to include more people with disabilities into their program to give them the great friendships and the the really important work skills that you get by being in the AmeriCorps program. And it will also be great for the other AmeriCorps volunteers who will be able to be exposed to people of all different kinds. And, Rob, that's what stood out for me was in order for these individuals to participate in this program in the Israeli Defense Force, they have to go through a training, a pre-training. And the Mm -hmm. training consists of making sure they can catch a bus independently and get to the base every day, making sure they can get there on time, making sure they can use a cell phone, making sure they can read a map. And all of that is designed, A, for them to participate, but B, for their safety, because when an Israeli soldier is kidnapped... um, we know what happens, and, and these individuals are obviously at huge risk wow. of being kidnapped if they get lost. But what struck me about that was these are all the life skills that these individuals are going to need in adulthood that the Army is teaching them as a prerequisite to participate in the Army. So this guy, Reuben, lives with his sister in an apartment, gets up every morning at 5.30, takes a bus to the Army base, reports for work, goes home. He teaches judo to a bunch of kids. He participates in other programs. But he had to be able to demonstrate that he could be reliable, read a map, not get lost, communicate, ask for help, all those things just to participate, and yet those are going to provide the foundation for living independently as an adult. So what struck me was how, what a dual service that program provides, because it's not just participating in the Army, it's what he's going to have afterwards, and the pride he had about being part of this program. I think their tagline duty is, in uniform we're all the same, something like that. Um, and you can see how strongly he identified with the fact that he was serving his country along with all of his sisters and brothers, and he was not differentiated, and, and that was really important to him. But for me, just the, long, the lifelong skills that he was getting um, was so important. Cause he, he uh, the interesting thing that since I um, returned from Israel, I've been in touch with a number of parents in Israel whose children did not get accepted into the Army through that special program because they were unable to um, have those skills of being able to travel on buses alone and all that kind of stuff. And, and so there's even a movement now among families. And, and by the way, their children are devastated that they can't serve in the armed forces. Um, or in the, they have also a national service 
component, which is like helping in schools, helping in senior, senior citizen centers, and they aren't even accepted to that. So now there's a movement among families to force national service and the armed services to accept people regardless of their ability to travel independently and to work independently, mm-hmm. and that they should be providing them a, a one-on-one aid to allow them to have that universal experience. So they're even wow. trying to push the envelope even more. Wow. Well, that, that's just fascinating. Um, we're going to have to take another break. I, I hate to cut you guys off there because it, it's just so interesting. Um, but when we come back from the break, I want to talk to you a little bit more about w- what these next steps are and what you guys plan to do next. So we'll be right back after this break. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Parents of special needs individuals want to know if the care their loved ones are receiving is the best possible. We at Code Metro, developers of NPA Works, business management software for special needs providers, understand the unique necessities of running a successful organization. NPA Works helps free providers of tedious tasks like scheduling and insurance billing. Ensure your clinic is maximizing the time they give to your loved one. Ask if they use NPA Works. Visit us at npaworks.com to see how we can help. If you are considering how cloud computing might benefit your business, CenterBeam's Cloud Readiness Assessment can help. Our track record includes over a decade of service delivery experience, and our customer satisfaction leads the industry. We've moved hundreds of clients to the cloud and can help you identify the best strategy for your business. Call today to get a 25% discount on your assessment, 877-710-8880. The assessment is yours to keep and will provide specific insight into how the cloud can work for you. Call 877-710-8880 or visit centerbeam.com forward slash voice America. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. All right. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt, and we are finishing up our conversation here with two amazing guests, Judy Mark and Ronit Moko, talking about an amazing trip they just took to Israel. Um, Judy, Ronit, you guys have, have thrown out a ton of amazing ideas, uh, uh, really inspirational stories about what you've seen and some of the ideas you already have about what can be brought to America. Um, and I think some of these things are obviously great for Los Angeles, but I already see so many other communities I've been to that uh, this could be just great additions for. Um, what What is the next step uh, for your group um, to help start the path of, of bringing these new programs? Well, the community of people who went um, are going to be getting together in the next few weeks to make a plan for the future. We we also want to include as many people as possible in in helping to build new programs and expand new programs. Um, 
I'm saying that I want to let a thousand flowers bloom. Uh, I, I am not partial to any one particular program. I think that um, there's a lot of ideas out in the community right now. People want to build a, a type of kibbutz community. People want to build these more inclusive um, uh, neighborhood uh, communities. Um, there's a lot of different, you know, we want to do advocacy and, and public awareness. And my feeling is, is that we'll, we're going to form a task force that will probably break up into smaller groups around different, you know, where people have very specific interests. If people have more of an interest in a kibbutz, they may go into that group. If they have more of an interest in in education, in public education, or in advocacy, they might, might join that group. And um, we're, you know, we uh, encourage more people to get involved. And, um, you know, we, we it's a long-term process, and we we are hoping that it will be successful. Fantastic. Yeah, and if, uh, if anybody is interested in getting involved, we encourage you to email us at moreinfo at autismtherapies.com, and uh, we will get back to you and let, we know, let you know how people can get involved. That's great. Uh, I, I know I'm sure there's a ton of people listening who would love to be involved in this. Um, and like I said, I, listening to you guys, I feel like, this is something that can be so great in so many communities, not just Los Angeles. And we, we clearly here locally have a lot of needs. And, and Judy, you talked about the, the budget crisis that we've been facing here in the state. But, you know, I get to travel to a lot of different communities in a lot of different states, um, talking about ABA and autism and, um, speaking to parents. And I know that I don't think we're unique in having this desire. I don't think these ideas of inclusion of inclusion and the idea of building a true community is unique. So uh, to any of our listeners, I, I would encourage anyone in other states who want more information and want to get involved to, uh, to email as well because I think that there's a lot we can do everywhere. Um, well, do either of you, you know, as we, we have a few more minutes left, do either of you have any just – you know, parting messages that you want to share with everyone, um, something that we didn't cover because um, I, I know it's, it's an hour to talk about something that really was a two-week trip for you guys and, and there was so much to learn. I think, you know, Rob, one thing that stood out for me that I think we can do a better job of was how, it's certainly in some of the programs that we visited, they were utilizing the specific skills that individuals had for their jobs. And so, for example, in one program that we visited, they had you know, very smart, high-functioning individuals with autism sitting and watching videos, collecting data at a scale that, that none of us could even track. Mm. Um, and so really utilizing skills and putting people in jobs that, just like Ruben in the, jo- in the Army, are very satisfying to them, but they're also very good at. And I don't know that we've done as good a job over here, and I think that's something we should really focus on as we put programs together. One of the things we heard a lot was taking people's skills, taking people's talents, and utilizing them uh, which becomes very productive and also mm-hmm. creates very fulfilling jobs for individuals. So I think that was something else that resonated with me that, that is part of my notes as we move forward in this. And, Rob, you know, building on what you said, um, w- one of the interesting – we had a great conference um, one of our days co-sponsored with the Joint Distribution Committee um, in, in Israel, which runs a lot of these programs. Uh, uh, for people with developmental disabilities in Israel. And um, 
at the end of this great day of, of experts who uh, gave us some really incredible information, um, we had one of our adults who traveled with us, Wyatt Isaac, speak about sort of his impressions of what he heard. And one thing that he said has stuck with me. He said, we're all in the same boat. And, that, and it was, it's really true. The parents, we, we met a lot of parents while we were there, and I felt very connected to them, um, even though they live 10,000 miles away from me, they um, still face the same issues, the same questions, the same concerns, that what, it, what is going to happen to my child when I die. They all have the same concerns that, that we have in the United States. And um, they also, the programs um, also face the same budget cuts that, that we do in California. And, and Israel is also limiting the kinds of free choice that people, sh- that people want to have to be able to choose the kind of programs that they go into and the kind of housing that they live in. And so I think that, um, you know, building on what you said, I think that we're all in the same boat around the, the United States as well. And every time I meet parents from other parts of the country, we, I realize that we're all facing the same challenges. And so if we all start to share information and we all really work together and we really prioritize this, I think that we have a lot of potential to create something great. I, I, Judy, I couldn't have said it better. I, I think that's a great note to end on. Uh, if anyone out there is interested in getting more information or, or speaking or contacting Judy or Ronit, uh, feel free to email more info at autismtherapies.com. Uh, you can go to autismtherapies.com backslash blog and see Ronit's blog and her info from the trip. I know that uh, also I believe there's uh, special-needs-mission-2-israel-posterous.com where there is trip blog and photos uh, for anyone who wants more information. Um, Judy, obviously, I'm sure you will spread the word about your essay once it's, it's ready to go. Um, and I just want to thank both of you for being a part of the show. I really appreciate it. I, uh, I'm really inspired by what you guys have come back with, and I'm excited to partner up with both of you um, in these next steps because I know uh, there's a lot of work, like you said, to be done. Um, so everyone listening, I know I, I mentioned this in the beginning, uh, but next week we are going to be doing uh, a first for us. It is uh, our very first call-in show, and it's such a first and it's so new for us. I even gave you the wrong phone number to call in at the top of the show, uh, but that's all right. We've got the right number for you now. So next week on August 28th, we are going to have our call-in show at our normal time. Uh, the number for you to call with your questions, um, and like I said, our topic is going to be teens. Uh, the number is going to be 866-472-5792. Again, if, with your questions, you can call us at 866-472-5792. You can also post questions on the Autism Therapies, uh, or sorry, Autism Spectrum Therapies Facebook page, um, or even on our Twitter account. Um, we'll be able to answer questions uh, in both ways through um, either of those two. Uh, I hope you join us, whether you have questions or not, and to have another discussion about teens and the different services and, and options available for them, because I think this is uh, a great topic that we can keep talking more about and, and having even more dialogue about, because it, it sounds like it's very pressing to a lot of different individuals. Um, really appreciate you joining me this week, and we will see you next week. Take care. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Please join your host, Dr. Bill Freya, for another edition next week. 